Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball, and today's guest is the guru of commercial writing, Peter Bauman. This is the second time I've interviewed Peter because his writing style is so accessible and warm. But I've been reading and reviewing Peter's books for so long that I feel like he's an old friend. We had a few glitches yesterday with the power, so apologies to anyone who might have showed up. We're here now, and all's well. Um, now, Peter, before we actually start the interview, can I get you to read us a little bit from The Well-Fed Writer, just to give listeners a flavor of the book? Sure. Thanks, and, and thanks for having me on the show. So, um, I, thought I, might, um, I thought I might start with uh, something that would get people sort of turned on a little bit about the field rather than getting into the nuts and bolts of uh, how you do it. So I'm going to read a little bit from the introduction. So picture this. On a Friday morning client phone call, you pick up a job writing a marketing brochure. Several hours later, the client emails you background material, call the client, answer some questions. After a few hours... You email them your draft Wednesday morning and you won't get it back until Friday. In the meantime, you put in seven hours on a few sales sheets for a telecommunications firm, seven times 75, $525, and an ad for a company in Canada, you've never actually met them, that takes four hours, another $300. You send it on and bill them immediately. Later that afternoon, a new but now regular client calls and snags you for a brochure product next week, 12 to 15 hours worth of work. That same day, one of your regulars calls needing a few quick headlines for a store display you've done a full projects like this, you charge your two-hour minimum, $150, grab your mini recorder, head to the gym, knocking out half of it on the way over. That night, sitting out at a favorite neighborhood eatery with a clipboard, you get the rest done. You get home, type them up, and send them on, having spent just an, over an hour total. That's over $2,000 by Thursday for under 30 hours of work, no running around, and completely by phone and email. Plus, $1,000 worth of work lined up for next week. And that's at 75 an hour. What will it be like at 100 or, or 125 an hour? And, of course, I have to <laughs> have a little bit of the reality check here. And that is, okay, it's not always this easy or rosy. You'll have your share of $500 weeks, and you may have to meet clients in person. This is not a get-rich-quick proposition. In the beginning, you'll be working a lot harder for a lot less, and there's a lot of prospecting, marketing, and paperwork to do. But stick to it, develop the right work habits, and weeks like the above will come soon and often. How's that? That sounds like an ideal scenario. <laughs> I, love, I love that picture, and it really, um, doesn't, it really makes you think, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and just so you know, just so people know, seventy-five dollars an hour that I was using, sort of as an example, um, <clears throat> that really is uh, a very you know middle of the road range. I'm right. I'm at one hundred and twenty-five to one hundred and fifty an hour now. I mean, granted, I've been doing it a long time, um, and um, so just so people don't think that I've you know stuck in seventy-five dollars an hour at some outside 
uh, limit. You know, that by by no means is the case. And I love the way, you know, um, you include on the way to the gym. I mean, certainly, um, you know, sort of a, a well-balanced. And, and I find myself, even in the review, using well-dash a lot with, <laughs> with you. Uh, you know, a well-balanced life, or you said that, that whole work-life balance is really part of the picture, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm there's in my business who <clears throat> want to work <clears throat> um, 70, 80 hours a week, and I suppose if they wanted to do that, they could, and they could make a lot of money in this field. Um, <clears throat> as, as far as I'm concerned, the whole point of having a job where you call the shot, uh, able to uh, get up when you want to and go to bed when you want to and take vacations when you want to and take a day off when you want to without having to ask anybody's permission, the whole the whole point of, of having that freedom is to, to, to be able to take advantage of it. And... Uh, so, uh, so if you had luxury uh, turn into uh, just another grind, but that's just me. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, yeah, I think you make a good point that uh, you know the well-fed people thinking that you make a good living, and that's the case. But I think. I've always looked at it as more as just as much as sort of an all-encompassing term for uh, lifestyle, you know, as well uh, as well as income. So. so, so at what point then, going right back to the first book that you wrote, at what point did you say, you know, there's a book in this, I need to do this? Were you simply being asked for a lot of advice and thought you'd get it down, or um, was there some other impetus? You know, that's that's kind of an interesting question because I, I'm. Uh, I know that when I, my first thought was that I thought, hmm, I'd like to do seminars. I'd like to share, you know, what I've learned about this business uh, with other people who in position, maybe make a few bucks uh, in the process. And um, so I had been collecting um, my thoughts about the business and my observations and my process. And, you know, when I learned, had a new experience or something, I on my computer, and then one day I went in and looked at how much I had, and uh, I had about uh, 80 or 90 pages worth of stuff on my computer, and which, of course, translates even more than that in a written. And uh, so I um, I went ahead and uh, and started the process, and have to uh, admit I I I never really it's much more of a half-hearted attempt to actually <clears throat> find a publisher, um, and uh, but eventually decided to just do it myself, and uh, which was, I guess, in retrospect, sort of like, now why did I think I could pull that <laughs> off? Uh, but I have, and it's gone really well. And and uh, and in case people are out there thinking, well, uh, and he couldn't find a publisher. Actually, I've been a pro after the fact. Uh, at this point, I think about four publishers um, who saw how well I was doing with the book and um, asked if, you know, I had ever thought about going with a publisher. And I was flattered, of course, and I thanked them for their uh, <laughs> call and uh, pretty much said, uh, there's nothing you can do for me that I'm not doing uh, much better on my own. But that's a whole other subject. You and, know, and a whole other book. Back and, yeah, and a whole other book. The Buffett Self-Publisher. 
and I might ask you about that later if we've got time. But um, why the new edition? What, what does it offer readers, say, that the, the first one? No, there was a second edition, too, the Well-Fed Writer Back for Seconds, mm -hmm. which came out, uh, the original one came out in 2000, and Back for Seconds came out in 2005, and, and Back for Seconds uh, added another uh, set of voices. You know, the first book was pretty much my experience, and the second one was some more experience, but then other people who had built their commercial freelancing businesses uh, in a whole lot of different ways than I had. So, you know, I was single and I was male and I was in a big city and I did it full time right out of the gate. And, um, and, and so people who came in a small town or were women or minorities or um, started part time or, uh, you know, any number of different uh, experiences, had different backgrounds, um, came out of different professions. Uh, and so I thought, uh, you know, here's a chance for a, little, a lot more people to kind of see themselves. And then the new book took those two, the content of both of those books, and, and heavily updated it. So there's a lot more stories and a lot more information, um, and, and with a lot of material that's familiar as well, uh, because to a certain extent this business has some and, uh, and uh, processes about it, and uh, uh, that you know, yes, change somewhat, but uh, there is a core amount of uh, <clears throat> sort of evergreen information that will always be valid. So, uh, and um, uh, and I think uh, I think I did a actually a, I'm actually quite proud of the editing job that I did in taking mm -hmm. and uh, combining it into to one 360 page book. So, <laughs> so. And you might have to come out with the well the well said editor next. I know, I know, I know exactly. I I, I always have to wonder, uh, you know, did, did, if I could take two three hundred page books and turn it into one three hundred sixty page book, does that mean that I was too verbose in my first two books? Well, it's an interesting question. I certainly didn't find that myself, although. Uh, I guess once you've got information in front of you, it becomes easier to tighten it up than, you know, to pull it together the first time. Right, right. But do you find um, that writing a book, actually, or revising a book, something that you've now done several times, has similarities with the commercial writing process? Um, hmm, not really. I mean, it, and that's actually one thing I like about it is that it is, it is a very different kind of thing. I mean... Uh, you know, you can be doing some research, and so that might be similar. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's pretty much uh, you know, some people. It's funny. You write a couple of books, and people are like, "Oh, wow, you're an author," and you know, how do you do that? And you're like, "Well, um, you you just turn off the TV at night, <laughs> and and you um, work on the book, and you do that for a lot of nights." And then you have a book. <laughs> so it's it's really about putting in the uh, dedicating the time uh, to it, and uh, and yeah. The, the, the bum in, in seat principle. Um, the what? The, the bottom in seat principle. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it's it. I mean, there's like I think some people are 
a lot of people are just very uh, sort of addicted to being comfortable, you know, and they don't want to step too far out of their comfort zone. And uh, there was a period there where I was, you know, running my copywriting business full-time because I had to because obviously when you're writing a book, the book is not making you any money. Um, while I'm writing this book um, at night, and it went on for a couple of years, and uh, that um, you know that can get after a while. But and then on the other side of it, um, you um, you know you have something you that that can keep uh, the gift that keeps on giving uh, in terms of you know you write it once and and you keep selling it. So, uh, um, but it's been a it's been an interesting journey to say the least. So, but very rewarding in a lot of ways. And I suppose being known as, you know, the, the expert, I mean, you wrote the book, um, you know, helps feed the the other business as well because, you know, you effectively established yourself as the maven. Well, and, and, and I appreciate, I appreciate your saying that. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not, um, a, you know, one of the key voices in this. Uh, business. That's where I draw. I mean, I say one of the key voices in this business, um, and uh, and yeah, um, I mean, it, there's no question that uh, it raises your status uh, somewhat in the eyes of um, really any you know both the industry uh, and as well as readers, obviously. Um, and uh, but but still, it comes down to um, and and this is kind of you know. I suppose, in a sense, good news, bad news. Um, I still get hired, not because I'm a good writer, and uh, and because I do the do a, a good job. And so, for my clients, my copywriting clients, the fact that I've written books, I, you know, you can't get in their head and, and and you know determine what that actually quantifies to. Uh, I'm sure it quantifies to some respect. Um, and perhaps some psychological edge, but uh, bottom line, to deliver the project, it doesn't matter somebody else. Yes, and I suppose it, it comes down to what have you done for them. Well, right, and it comes down to your skills in that arena, and so, uh, and that's what I tell people is that you know the nice thing, one of the nicest things about our field is that it's very democratic in the sense that you're judged by your performance, um, you're not judged by your degree or your age or your gender or your race or anything else. If you can get the job done and done right and done well uh, and within the budget and within the timetable and you don't create more work for that client, they're going to come back and hire you again. Uh, and that's the important thing. And it really, all the other stuff really doesn't matter. And so, because uh, I, you know, I get emails from people all the time. Well, I'm 55 years old. Or I'm 60 years old. Or, you know, I've never written much before. Or I'm this or I'm that. Or, or I don't have a college degree. Or, you know, uh, can I can hear the sigh of relief coming down the, you know, email wire when I say, you know, that stuff really doesn't matter. It's a non-issue. Uh, you know, people don't ask you where you went to college. You know, maybe a past conversation to uh, decide whether they're going to hire you or not. So. 
Do you, do you find that you struggle because effectively you've got these two two jobs now, um, maybe more? <laughs> and do you, do you ever struggle to maintain the balance between, say, the commercial writing work and then the well-fed job? <laughs> Always, and that is so. That is, that's very interesting that you should happen to mention that because I, I'm actually right in the <laughs> right in the mission with myself right now because um, I realize that. I mean, it's finally sinking in, and that one. And I, if I still have this, uh, the truth is, I haven't because of the uh, the income that comes from uh, my books. I haven't had to make commercial freelancing my uh, you know a full-time proposition which is nice I mean that's one of the you know biggest pluses books uh, can create uh, ideal world blog and welfare and well-fed self-publisher and, and, you know, tweeting regularly and updating my Facebook and LinkedIn profiles and all this stuff. And, um, and, 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 and my anchoring and, and, and you realize, you know, what the, uh, and, and really I'm at that point of having to sort of, okay, what's going to give here? So, um, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. So. <laughs> Do you ever get anybody contact you to publish their books? I mean, now that you're effectively also going on to self-publishing, you know that you've you've oh yeah 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 I, I, yeah I I get I get contacted and and because I'm I'm listed I guess as a publishing company somehow I got listed as a literary agent on some list and I've been getting a bunch of calls on that and I think it's pretty funny um, but uh, uh, and, and I, I always tell them saying thank you I own my own book you know that's an, Job. I want to get in the publishing business. So sorry to anybody. Who I want to mission or the welfare. I suppose makes a certain amount of sense. <laughs> so. So have you found recession and um, you know financial crises in general? And I guess you've seen a couple of blips over the years that you've been doing this. Does it tend to increase or decrease the demand for commercial freelancers? I missed the first part. You said the economic ups and downs. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it can it can work both ways, and I'm not going to uh, play Pollyanna that economic downturn has not impacted our industry, impacted our industry, every industry. Um, but that said, there are certain trends that work that. that laid off a bunch of people in a downturn still get their marketing communications tasks accomplished now will be open to a freelancer who they can hire only when they need them uh, what they need uh, and they get that fresh outside perspective um, 
and they don't have to face civilian benefits and vacation and all that. Another scenario that hear a lot and um, from a lot of leaders um, is firsthand uh, here in Atlanta uh, with some uh, stories from friends of mine are scenarios where a company has been using a very end or marketing company or a graphic design firm uh, and execute their projects. And, you know, they look at the bottom line and they say, wow, you know, we just can't afford these people anymore. Uh, and in essence, they're paying for a lot of overhead uh, in those companies. And in, in cases like that, answer, and oftentimes the more, uh, ideally, a, a commercial freelancer uh, ally partnered with a graphic designer can go and fraction uh, essentially in many cases uh, be able to deliver even better and that's a reality and that's something uh, someone business should uh, should keep in mind that uh, freelance uh, I mean you're good at if you do uh, 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 can you understand what they're called so, so. the model so, taking the converse of that, um, have you been offered or found, um, you know, been tempted to join a single company to actually be part of that payroll and the overhead? Um, no. Um, I, you know, I think there were some opportunities early on in my career, but I guess I don't even, they don't even cross my radar anymore, even if, <laughs> even if they're there, um, because I just, I have no interest in, in, in going to work for somebody else. I mean, I, I choose. You know, they would have paid me an obscene amount of money, and uh, well, uh, 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 exactly right. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm too, I'm too by the by the life. Yes, I, I can certainly, and I suppose it's going to a, a traditional publisher. I mean, um, you have to go to 10%, which is, I guess, quite different to what you get now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and when I, and I've done some fun things in my books, too, in terms of uh, creating companion ebook products, uh, toolkits, you know, it's good, in, good information, solid information that complements the main book. And, uh, and a good, a very high percentage of the people who buy my book and the companion products along with it, either at that time or later. Um, and so um, it, it, it ramps up my profit uh, and my profitability per book. Two levels the Yes, plus I suppose it's quite a lot more fun, taxability. Again, I, I, I missed the... So 
sorry, it is getting a little choppy. Um, what I said is, um, I guess it's you know it's fun to have a little bit of flexibility there and to you know be able to play a little bit and you know and not yeah. that as a solid, simple, concrete product, but you know something you can work with. Right, and and I think uh, people who go with a picture, by definition, you're very limited uh, in terms of what you can do. Uh, you're very limited in how your graphics even even going to come out in terms of you know creative design and and uh, and all that. And you're very limited in terms of uh, what you're going to create uh, in addition to it. Maybe you're limited in terms of what you can create, but you're certainly limited in how much money you're going to make off of it. And uh, and that's the nice thing about uh, self-publishing. You can sit here and say, okay, I'm going to create this, and I'm going to add this, and I'm going to go in this direction, and and uh, uh, and then I can I can make it happen. And I don't have to get anybody's permission because I'm holding the rights. You know, to my products and and to any form that I'm. So, uh, but again, we're drifting off in itself territory. Which is fine by me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you've got such a fresh, accessible style. I'm, I'm almost tempted to ask you to read more, except we're nearly out of time. But, um, you know, are there any other types of writing that you secretly long to do? Is a, a poorly fed poetry book, for example? Um, well, um, actually, early on in, in my career, and I've been a writer, well, I say only a writer, for um, 17 years. Um, I, I spent years in sales. And I spent, again, when I became freelance, got into writing columns. Um, locally for a few papers, nothing, nothing big time, um, and I really, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, had a lot of fun with it, and was good at it. And there was something um, that there's something very special about it. You can sit down, and if the idea hits you right, and the the uh, your creative juices are flowing. In 45 minutes to an hour, you can have a finished product uh, that you can that you know is a standalone uh, that you can be proud of, uh, and uh, and that's to me, especially for somebody who had a lot on their plate and a lot uh, nice uh, be able to start and finish something uh, regularly and not just have like a book. Goes on and on and on, and it's not done until it's done. Um, and I miss that. And, and writing columns right now, uh, I and mean, I write articles occasionally for, for uh, on subjects related to my field, but uh, but not really um, the fun stuff. And it really was fun stuff. It was like social commentary, cultural commentary, sometimes political commentary, dating, relationships, slice of life, philosophical musings, you know, things like that. And uh, and I think actually that I'm going to at some point, and not just in the future, I'm actually going to collect some of those columns um, and put them in a put them in a book. Um, sort of, you know, the, the early years. <laughs> and uh, and back then, um, I wouldn't have probably sold too many to people locally here, but maybe now I might, you know, I might move a few of them just for people curious about, uh, you know, some other stuff I've written. So. Um, but yeah, that, that's that. 
novel. I have that in. I'd love to think that I do, but uh, I have such enormous respect for people who can write uh, good fiction uh, that really grabs you by the throat and keeps you enthralled for, you know, my hat's off. And I'm, I'm really a poser in, in comparison. And, and, and I know that might be a little harsh self-criticism, but, you know, I mean, I, I write good books, but it's still, it's, it's, it's gathering information, you know, more than it is, you know plumbing the soul, your soul for bloodletting. Yes, bloodletting. Yeah, so there's not too much bloodletting what I do. So, but uh, but it, it, it but it does you know it does have its rewards and and uh, how to books uh, no question can be more financially rewarding than uh, than novels can be. That's as many people have discovered. So. Yes. So it's a balance. So um, we're we're almost out of time, but um, you know what's next? What's on the plate? I know this is something um, again that you've mentioned you've been struggling with, and you know asking yourself the questions. Are there some you know some goals for the future that uh, your fans can latch on to? Well, um, there's no question that uh, you know, and this is one reason why I'm sort of in this conversation about you know priorities and all that. There's no question that I that I need to update uh, soon. I mean, it's still fine now, but you know, within the next year, or so I need to update the self publisher, and uh, and in order to really make the product, I come up to create um, like a newsletter and or um, uh, what product? That's how you build and you build following, and um, it's easier to kind of keep keep you know those folks close to you and be able to let them know about new new uh, uh, products and services and and things like that. And so, uh, and I really do feel. I mean, I've had a lot of people say, you know, oh, I wish you had a blog for self-publishing, or you had group posting. I started coaching for commercial freelancing uh, last fall, and it's done really well. And so I wish you had something like that for self-publishing. And so, um, and self-publishing really um, is is a very hot subject and will probably be for a while, given the implosion of the traditional publishing industry. Uh, and so, so I need to uh, I need to capitalize on that. So. I just need to figure out the cloning, the cloning thing, so I can make a couple more of me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you might be able to write the well-fed cloner if you do that. Yeah, I know. If, if I can, if I can figure it out. But in the meantime, I've I've been able to find some, you know, some admin help, uh, sort of like Elance, you know, can find people who nitty work for ten. That's really That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for uh, dropping by, if you like. Um, that's all we have time thank for. You. Thank uh, you for having me. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Um, next guest is Eric Maisel, who will be talking to us about his new book, Brainstorm, and the considerable power of productive obsessions. So don't miss it. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.